Crow Talk. Crow Talk. Crow Talk. Film Squawk. Sella and the Spates. Written and directed by Tyree Chapeau, 2019. Queen of the most powerful faction at the prestigious Haldwell School, Senior Sella Summers grooms new girl Paloma to lead the spades in her stead. All Sella asks in return is to be both feared and loved. Greetings from our homes to yours. Whether you're new to Crow Talk or a seasoned listener, you're joining us during a singular time in 21st century history. As you're critically aware, coronavirus has rerouted normal life, tipping everything expected on its head. This podcast is no exception. Instead of recording Season 3 episodes from our studio at Western Washington University, we will be podcasting from our couches and remote workstations. We will use headphones with tiny microphones as dogs bark outside and our partners quietly bring us tea. Just as the quality of our production must shift, so has the dynamic of film viewing. So, welcome to our Season 3 series, Streaming in the Time of COVID, where we will reflect on the experience of viewing share yays and nays, squawk our opinions, and consider takeaways. Things we want to remember moving forward about this film, or film in general. After the last few challenging weeks, us crows went back to review some of our previous seasons and podcasts, looking for Black writers, filmmakers, and directors, and what representation looked like uh, for those individuals on Crow Talk. And we were uh, not surprised, but ashamed to recognize that we have not represented Black filmmakers and creators proportionately. So let's start now. What do you think, Stacey Cassidy? Here, here. I agree more. So let's dive right in for Yays and Nays, for Selling the Spades, Tyresha Poe's 2019 written and directed debut. What a debut. Yeah, seriously. Hit me with some yays. My yay is the ecosystem that she's created. This film felt so new and fresh in a genre that is so old and tired, that genre being the teen genre. And that made me really excited for the future, not only of her films, but the path she's carving for filmmakers to come. Yeah, I totally agree, Stace. And my yay piggybacks on yours. Uh, IndieWire quoted Tyresha Poe saying that she was trying to create a multi-sensory experience viewing this film. And she freaking nailed it and I don't want to give my specifics right now of what I'm talking about exactly but it was such an immersive experience with layers of artwork like film is not the only medium here yeah I feel like that is maybe some of the newness you're talking about Stacey that she's carving out so it was an exciting viewing experience for that reason yeah I'm a sucker for boarding school settings personally all of them it's just I don't know what it is it's this whole other universe that you don't necessarily have to understand all the rules to immediately, but you're excited to learn them as they unfold, no matter what rate they unfold at. It just feels like a cool mystery. Also, I was deeply into Poe's style. Text script, photography, presentations of importance that bend the fourth wall, but don't quite break it. It felt so intimate without like I said, having to know the world of this boarding school completely or having to completely understand how these factions work and also not necessarily having a ton of personal information on the main characters, you still felt like you were seeing something private, Uh, private moments embedded throughout everything, personal moments reigned. And I, I could not get enough. All right, so nays. I think my only nay is that I wanted more in general. I, I wanted more from 
the side characters and the rest of the world. It was so focused on Sela. I wanted a little more from the rest of the world, a little more development. But I think that's just me wanting more of the film because I enjoyed it so much. My nay, I'm a big stickler for pacing. And this story drug a little bit for me. And I think it's because the story wasn't super clear to me the whole time. Like, I feel like everything was kind of touched on the surface, like the drugs, it was sort of mentioned, but it was kind of this elusive presence throughout the whole thing. And obviously having like mental health issues that not being touched on, even though, yeah, she is this like extreme focal point of the film. Um, So there was something in the story that was lacking for me, like a depth and a clarity. Yeah, where I found myself disengaged sometimes because I was just like unclear, I guess, on what I was supposed to care about. The film requires willing suspension of disbelief. There are some essential aspects to the entire operation that, kind of like what you were saying, Cassidy, are not completely clear. I understand the hierarchy, but I guess I don't understand the fear enough to really get how this operation is still happening. And I'm trying not to spoil anything here. How the operation continues to happen without anyone being dethroned, which seems extremely easy, even if it would be a big drama fest. I am confused how Sella remains on top. Um, And I think that that's a pretty significant nay since this film works so much to unpack the line between love and fear. What you said, Cassidy, probably pertaining to an article that you read. Uh, an IndieWire. Mm-hmm. IndieWire article. So unpack that. I'm fascinated. What did Poe set out to achieve and succeed at? So she starts talking about her background being from Philly, um, born and raised. And she believes that all stories are inherently multi-sensory and multi-dimensional and should be told that way. And so the idea that something like that could be a movie that didn't look or feel like it is what is what Tyresha understood a movie to be. And it made her realize that a movie could be anything. For me, she achieved that. Like I stopped taking notes on different ways she was achieving that because it was literally like scene by scene. She was doing it the entire way through the film uh the pictures of that um Paloma was taking and the way that those were depicted that was like it's like a photo slideshow of someone's like really beautiful photography just like tucked into a moment in a scene um the entire every scene in the gym every cheerleading and they didn't call themselves cheerleaders they called them Spirit squad. squad. Spirit squad. Every shot in the spirit squad is like everything I wish Bring It On would have been. It's so beautiful. The glasses installation when they're putting all those glasses on the staircase and stuff. And the score, like just generally the score and how it was sort of character based. And there were so many like sound effects incorporated into the score. So you felt like you were, like you had said, I think, Rochelle, it was really intimate. And you like felt like you were really there in these private moments with them. And I feel like it was all these little tiny minuscule details that built it into this literally like multi-sensory immersive viewing experience that I've really not experienced before in this way where it's hitting so many different senses. You know, like Wes Anderson like makes me exhausted for watching his like essentially like masterpiece of 
still art on film, you know, but yeah, this film just has it from all different angles. So it's, she really nailed it. And I agree, stories should be told that way. <laughs> Want more of that. I love that she articulates that because that's really is that is our experience. You know, we, we are taking in life through all of these different senses um, to different degrees and different and levels of importance and emphasis on each one. So it would just make sense for a filmmaker to articulate that in her mission and really have that at the forefront as she's crafting the film. Um, Cause it was very effective. Yeah. It's crazy to me that that sort of filmmaking isn't just more mainstream, honestly, like off the top of my head, the only other film I could think of that like was really tactile in that way was Temple Grandin. Um, which is an autobiographical film about Temple Grandin starring Claire Danes. Really wonderful. And Temple Grandin is a real woman who had autism. And so the way in which that was shot and the way that the sound was mixed and stuff was trying to show viewers what it would be like maybe to have autism. Um, so it was trying to give you, again, like a sensory experience through just viewing a film. And yeah, it's just kind of wild that there, and I mean, maybe directors and producers are putting attention in these places beforehand and aren't just or maybe just not executing as well I'm not sure but yeah this just felt like something different and Temple Grandin's the only thing I could think in comparison with it not as much in of course not as much in photography but you you get a bit of that still intimacy in the camera movement and application in portrait portrait of a lady on fire and it's so radically different, but there is a, an aspect of using other mediums to take everything to the next level as far as sensory involvement, like what you were saying, Cassidy. I, yeah, I appreciated that a lot uh, as as well. And there was a, a feeling of isolation throughout the whole film, which is a, I think it's a piece of Poe's style. I went back and I viewed... Poe's 2012 short, Honey and Trombones, and the camera's very close to the actors for a lot of, of the scenes, and there's a lot of layering. There are plenty of moments where sound is not synced to lit movement, but you're not confused. It's a more surreal experience of a very straightforward type of storyline about two people finding each other and it falling apart. And I appreciated the, the texture that was created uh, there. And I felt it echoed definitely in Sela. And some of that was in color. You know, you mentioned the, the glasses of water for the senior prank on the stairwell, Cassidy, and the color palette. To me, it's a very calming color palette. And that color palette is echoed in Sela's bedroom window the stained glass colors in the window. And you also get echoed in her, her behavior when, when her power is challenged to recapture that control, she goes very calm and exercises that as a way of control. And so I found that to be so many layers deep and threaded throughout. I appreciated, I appreciated that. I think that Poe also utilizes moments to exemplify what should be seen more or thought of more. So you know, like when Paloma's introduced, we're introduced to her from behind and we just watch her walk through 
school and we just we just watch her hair move as she walks through the throng of students and it's such an incredible introduction in my opinion uh so often we judge face first and here we just we get to watch paloma moving through this sea this mysterious boarding school sea and there is so much to listen to regarding black women's hair and so I just loved sitting with that moment uh, and just absorbing it and appreciating appreciating what I, I can't even imagine Poe was layering even just in that shot alone. Well, just that theme of isolation that you teased out, I'm sure, is a theme that she was intentional about, too. She she did go to boarding school. I don't know if either of you read that. No. Um, yeah, she did go to boarding school and there weren't too many Black girls going to boarding school. And so that in itself is very isolating. And I did feel that mood too, just, and maybe that is where my nay stems from as far as feeling cut off from the side characters and not really connecting with, with them in that way is that her character and her, that's what her experience was going through school. Well, yeah, we get so little. I went to, you know, create notes for today and tried to determine which characters and actors we'd maybe discuss. So we had that information and it's just, it's, you know, we've got Sela and Paloma and Sela's right-hand warrior, Maxi. You've got Bobby and then Jesse Williams plays a fun headmaster Banton. And then I just loved the name Tutom. So I put Evan Rowan here, but otherwise it's like, yes, we've got Ambers and we get Lulu's and we hear about Tila. We hear about these characters, but we don't get much of them. Yeah. And I think that's a really good observation, Stace, that maybe that is how she felt at boarding school, you know, mm-hmm. and at that age, you hear so much about other kids and so much gossip and all of that, and but still not feeling like you actually belong or actually a part. Totally. She turned that into power. She turned that isolation and that separate feeling of being separate into power. I am conflicted with that too, though, because I feel like Sayla is so... Like beneath that quiet exterior, there's a lot going on with her that was not explored and ready to erupt, it seemed, at any moment. Even just that little interaction with her mom. Yeah, it's just, it disappoints me a little. Or like, it, I want to know more because I feel like I didn't connect with her as much as I wanted to, you know? Or really the whole story, like it made me not connect with the story in a pretty big way where I really loved the visuals and I loved the cast and it was well acted and well directed but yeah that like the meat of the story itself I can't I feel like I didn't have enough to sink my teeth into I was just kind of like along for a visual ride we never find out why her mother wants her to go to that university and why it's going to temper her natural self and why she doesn't want to go it makes other than like teasing that like she has issues say that again sorry other than just teasing that she has issues right is it a reform school I'm, I, that's the vibe I got, but it just doesn't seem likely since she's working so hard on her grades. I'm not sure. It's, but you never get details like that unpacked. Right. And then just like that she caused the car to crash into the pole and the, the scene at the very end where she's standing on the edge of like, it seemed like a cliff that had a, you know, where a Paloma had fallen and they got her back up. So yeah, for me, those moments of intrigue or mystery in the storyline really took me out of it. Cause I was just like, or I felt like I should be caring, but I didn't, which was a disconnect to the viewer a little bit, you know, like, man, I feel like I should care more about Sayla, but they haven't really 
I didn't feel set up to care because I didn't know enough. I think I felt caught in her quiet storm and I didn't know how much she straddled the line between in control and out of control. I didn't, I, I think I was constantly waiting to learn if she was going to tip, if that makes sense. So it really created some suspense for me and I maybe created that myself, but the, the actor, Lovey Simone, she did really draw me in, but mostly because I think I identified or think I connected to that, that quiet exertion of, of control and the idea of being the neck that turns everything, turns all the heads. You know, we've got these five factions. Uh, and I'm hoping, you were saying, Cassidy, that you said that you wish we had dove a little bit deeper. And while I was researching it, it does look like, you know, IMDb has a solid TV show in pre-production set to release in 2020. I don't know if that's still moving forward, but it's still listed as in pre-production and there's not a lot of info on it, but maybe that would give us more, hopefully more about these factions. I wish I'd known more about all the others. You know, we've got the C led by Tarot. We've got Skins led by Amber, the Bobbies led by Bobby, Prefix led by Tutom, which is just the funnest name. Why do I love that name so much? But I really do. And then of course the Spades uh, led by Selen Maxi. Yeah, I just want so much more like what's up with Maxi. There's a lot to their friendship that they just like drop on us at the in like the last two minutes. Yeah, for me, I just want I wanted. Hi, yeah, I don't know. It just felt like I was like floating on the top of this like visual experience. And and I again love like, I love the cast. Jarell Jerome, come on. Oh my god. As soon as he came on screen, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Me too. And then he was like, here's one line by. I don't really <laughs> have anything to say for the rest of this movie until the last one minute. And I'm going to blow your socks off, but you're not going to really know what's going on. <laughs> and so for me, it was like excitement too of like, ooh, I can't wait to figure out these dynamics. You know, it was, yeah, I just couldn't sink into it. I felt like I was like floating above it, like in the sky watching it all move. And like you had mentioned, Rochelle and this seems like she built off of it or her concept of the short she created, but there was like a, uh, a surrealness to the whole thing. Like, yeah. So I guess I could feel that the whole time too. And maybe that was where my disconnect was. I don't know. And I still really like the film. There's just a lot of it where I'm like, man, I wish I was like more connected and I'm not. I think you do have to work at this film as far as staying connected and like staying really close to it. From the get-go, I knew I had to sort of gauge my viewing. You know, teen genre is so easy. You don't really need to be active. It's, It's all right there for you to just kind of like take. And this one, because it was so different in its approach to storytelling, I felt maybe I felt already forgiving or accepting of whatever it was going to give me. And I was reading into it a lot. And the moments when she looked at the camera, I really felt the director was there. So I felt like a lot of it was testimony from the director. So it was a very, maybe even avant-garde viewing experience. And I can see how that would be, I can see how that would create distance between the viewer and the film. But for me, I felt all of the meat and the matter like underneath the surface and some of it maybe I couldn't fully connect with or identify, but I still felt it there. Like, And whether that is a negative or a positive critique, I don't know. It's just a, a an atmosphere that she had. Like, 
it felt rich and it was hard to articulate. Yeah. And I have no, pro- I loved the sort of testimonial moments. Uh, like when they were talking about their spirit squad uniforms, that whole testimonial about how they would, they choose their own skirt lengths. And mm-hmm. I loved all of the components of the film. Again, it just, I don't know. I just like didn't connect with it. And I don't, for me, think it was like the avant-gardeness or like the quirkiness of the storytelling. I think for me personally, I just wasn't given enough of the main characters. You know, I, w- I guess I was just like waiting for more or like waiting for the thing to happen and like nothing ever, re- you know, just kind of like, and now they're walking through a party and sell a drug turn. Bye. Speaking of the distance and the idea that things feel more removed potentially, what did you think of fish town this ominous lingering fish town that you never go to alone and when you do you come back brutally beat up what is fish town do you think for for poe like literally yeah or figuratively i'm not sure i don't know i wouldn't be fish town it's like white america (laughs) fish town I mean, it definitely represented somewhere away from boarding school. You know, everything happens within boarding school. And this this is going away from that environment where they have complete control. And even the adults are sort of just like empty shells. Um, so I don't know if that needs some sort of like Philly context, you know, <laughs> that I'm unaware of. Yeah, I don't know. It made it, again, it added to the mood. And it made it, it yeah. created that isolation feeling and that sort of, like you were talking about earlier, this is suspense, suspended disbelief, where you just have to accept that, yeah, they go to Fishtown to buy drugs, and then they come back from Fishtown, and if you go alone, you get f***ed up. Yeah, the whole like drug running situation in general was another shallow story point for me that I like wanted to know more about, and yeah, everything just kind of left me hanging, I guess, within the story when it comes to the writing. The visuals, I loved. Love, love, love loved everything she created in the world that she made but the components of the story itself there was something about that that was yeah there wasn't enough details in like every element of it so again it was like this floating above like okay you guys are selling drugs and you're in boarding school and I kind of care but I don't know how to care more because you're not giving me more to care about so fish town see ya (laughs) but the story it's like a film I'll definitely have to rewatch to try to get more context out of I think I think some of the most interesting and forward-thinking films end up being that, a film that requires a rewatch for teasing out, or maybe not. Sometimes you rewatch and it's exactly what it was the first time, but sometimes teasing out those those more textured details. Like I really appreciated the fact that technology was really restricted in this environment. And I knew that it wasn't a story from the past. Like I did not believe this was a story that took place in the nineties. This felt like it was happening now, even if it wasn't a part of this world, Uh, but there were no cell phones. You know, you've got that ominous ringing phone in the background and you know, every time it rings in Sela's dorm room, it's her mother calling. And that is literally the worst thing that could happen in any one of her days is her mother calling. And I appreciated how subtle that was. We get so little interaction with her mother, but from it, we know that her mother puts incredible pressure on her. And then based on how Salah treats her friends, that she's slowly becoming her mother. No mistakes allowed. And I appreciated seeing that through that through line, even though we're given so little. Um, It tugged at all the way through to the end for me. 
because it, it ties in Tila into the what's supposed to be the big mystery of what happened to Tila. Tila this, Tila this, don't mention Tila. Oh my God, Tila. And it worked for me at the end because we potentially get to see a growth moment, however small it might be. Uh, not only in Sela, but also potentially in how Maxi handles the situation. And they've learned, we're hoping, since we know so little, really, about what happened to Tila. It could be, you know, Bobby could have been lying when she explained to Paloma what happened. It's all perception, right? Yeah, maybe I'm just being like a spoiled little brat viewer that like, I just want more mini series, hurry up, or the actual series. Because <laughs> yeah. I just want to know more about each of these characters, like... And I did feel invested in them, but then just a little let down because I'm like, what the hell is going on, you guys? No one explained it. (laughs) And now the movie's over. I didn't even pick up on the lack of cell phones, Rochelle. That (sighs) is, again, the, the theme of isolation. I realized what was happening because there needed to be a reason for Sela to enlist Paloma to take pictures. If she'd had a cell phone, she could have recorded it herself. Uh, Bobby making out with whoever. I think it was Bobby. But that illicit moment that she wanted to capture. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, so this is an intentional choice that really benefits the theme of isolation and the theme of otherworldly distance that I, I thought Poe was trying to embed. So it wasn't just convenient. It, it served the story and I didn't find it to be confusing. Luckily you guys both found it embedded. So that's wonderful. Yeah. That's good detail making right that's there. That's a great observation. Yeah. She created a beautiful world and like a believable world too, even though it's surreal. Like she used real world components to create that surrealism. So yeah, the world is one of the best cinematic worlds I've ever been immersed into just because of that multi-sensory effect that she achieved and maybe it is because that was so good that I'm like I needed more from the characters <laughs> one detail I really wanted Poe to unpack more and to get to see Simone navigate was hinting at concepts of asexuality and the idea of of being an asexual individual and or uh, being an individual who really just wants to distance from the drama, the pain, or potentially vulnerability, that vulnerability and avoidance. I didn't know what it was. I, I wasn't going to label it. I was waiting for the character to tease it out as, they, as she moved through um, just her world. But yeah, I don't often see um, teenagers navigating stories incorporating asexuality and I loved that even just a little taste that's something I really wanted more of and would love more of if there were a series to come I wonder if that was like an intentional choice of the entire film was to like tease you with really compelling (laughs) character traits and details and then be like never mind (laughs) I mean I think that there could be our own experiences that we're bringing to this and that don't resonate necessarily with it because we aren't women of color, you know, like you can tell there's a lot at stake for her to be successful with her conversations with her mother, especially talking about her father and how she's, you know, got her father's DNA. And so there's a lot more at stake in this world that we live in today for a woman, a girl of color 
a young woman of color at a boarding school who needs to go to college, like it's, it's important that she continues to stay on this trajectory because the world is not a place full of open doors for her. So, you know, I wonder if theme, if those ideas were more, would be more prevalent if we were someone who could identify more closely. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Because, I mean, maybe, maybe there was nothing specific about Redwood, the college that she was supposed to go to, is that you've got to go. Like you were in this school. You're bright. You need to continue moving forward because this shit's not going to be handed out to you like it is for for white people. It's so much easier to advance in that way. I, I think that you're right, Stacey. Like with Fishtown, there may be a context here that is just lost on us. And I'm okay with that. I, it does allow me to sort of tease out other meanings and what it, what it could be. And it's world building. Ultimately, even if I can't identify with with direct links from my own experience or my own life, and I feel like that is a feat to achieve. Even if the person doesn't get the joke, they revel in the making of the joke. Mm-hmm. And this isn't a joke, but right. I'm curious about the role drugs play. And about halfway through, I tried to figure out if I'd ever seen Sella take drugs. We definitely see Sella drink, but do you remember ever seeing her take drugs? No, I thought there was only the teeny sip at the very end, right? Of alcohol. Uh But I thought she very intentionally withheld or anytime it was passed around between Maxi and Paloma, she was abstaining. I thought that was another deliberate choice as far as her decision to not engage in romantic relationships any sort of entanglement that could make her vulnerable or not in control, she avoided. You know, she had to yes, stay. Yeah, she had to have that power in every single situation um, until she decides to drug Paloma. She takes a quick sip before she doses the alcohol and completely loses control of the situation. Well, because she didn't know. She didn't know what she should have known. Maxie's always with her. She relies on him. She did let herself be vulnerable and not knowing what button drops Mm -hmm. do. And so then she gave Paloma, what, six? Oh, I thought it was like two. Oh, there were a number of them that went in. It might not have been as many as six, but it wasn't the half that Maxie wasn't concerned about. It's another story point that doesn't fully flush out. But in the moment, it worked for me because... Her not knowing and me not knowing, that made sense, you know, because for a lot of what was given to her, I felt like I had a pretty good grasp on what she was grasping. Other things around her, I was less aware of or less dialed into. But when she didn't know, I knew nothing. It was like everything, the bottom fell out Mm -hmm. because she was out of control and therefore we were out of control. And I, I liked that. That felt... That led to a moment at the end where I, I thought she really could jump from that from that banister, from that that cliff. I thought that there was a chance that she would. Yeah, it was just another moment for me that I'm like, who the hell are you? And I, I wonder how much she knows herself. And that really brings it back to this is a high school story. And I, I appreciated that quite a bit because uh, it definitely felt like a high school story you know, boarding school stories can really edge on college for me sometimes. And this never did. I never thought that these kids were older than, than they are. Uh, They seemed so young and so 
so aware of what they needed to be aware of and so unaware of everything else. It was sort of like Lord of the Flies sometimes, you know, like they're yeah. like trapped almost, they might as well be trapped on an island with no adults mm-hmm. because those adults had no power. Like even their reaction to the prank was just like, that was it. It was just silence. <laughs> yeah. So I like the idea of thinking of bringing up Lord of the Flies just for the power dynamics that happen when the parents are gone and and kids are left in charge and how it gets brutal. I kept, yeah, absolutely. Like the eater be eaten. The setup for their meetings, for their heads meetings, where there's the six seats and all five factions get a seat, but the spades get a second seat, which is normally, you know, normally is where Maxi sits, but toward the end it's Paloma as she's preparing to take over Sela's industry. And I, Number one, if Sela is the most powerful, is it because she has a number two? And also, if she wants full control, how is she the only head that doesn't sit at that table representing spades alone? There's such a dichotomy there for me. And I loved that we got the trio of Maxi and Paloma and Sela. I, I just love a good trio, especially in teen fodder. But it, it kind of seemed against the grain for her to have for her to have a second when it was not the norm. Mm, that's a good point. There was just not a, and there was like the lovely voiceover introduction going into all of it. Uh, yeah. For me, there was just details. And again, like I, it seems like all of these things were intentional choices to kind of leave us like up in the air on so many components of these characters, because yeah, I feel like almost every interaction just leaves you wanting more more details about what is going on. It's like they, it's everything's just kind of like a little drop in the pond, but you never see the pond. Yeah. You don't know why they wear animal masks at that first party that they throw. And you don't know where they got that incredible prep for prom bus that I loved the hell out yeah, of. What was up with that? <laughs> Not talk about it. Who cares? I loved it. I loved it. And I just, but I was mostly like, okay, I guess they're really rich, you know, and that, that idea of it just being available, everything was just available that they didn't think of having their own prom before is confusing to me. It's another piece where I had to suspend disbelief, just like I can't believe no one broke into Sela's room and stole all her drugs. It's not like she's got muscle at the door and it's a teeny tiny padlock. So it's, it's like, what's holding these people in place? Like what, what is holding this hierarchy together and how how have they survived this long i I feel like in this context it's the world she built like that is the glue for everything and the believability without question of that world because yeah i have so many questions about the characters themselves but zero questions about like the beautiful amazing prom bus or that dance that they all were like sneaking out the window to, and they all like happen to have a headlamp, like no big deal. We all have headlamps. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Even the cups of water. Like I didn't question anything environmentally at all. I was like, yes, this is the world. We are here. Love it here in this world. Yes. <laughs> here I am. It was just all the people in the world that I have the questions about. So I feel like, yeah, for me, the film was so anchoring in that world, even with the surreal components. I was like, yeah, I buy all of this. This is exactly what boarding school is like in real life. <laughs> yeah, there was a lack of conflict from the other characters because you would think 
in in an environment like that, people would be wanting to, to have some of that power to have a piece of that pie, you know? And so we weren't, we weren't really in touch with all of these characters privilege for that. They have just being there, you know, like we just got no inner worlds at all. Um, and, or at least their inner, in, inner world rubbing against hers. So yeah, we don't know. No one touched her. Huh? No, no one, one touched her. her. Um, and so, yeah, it was just so much Sela, like so in her that we had nothing to compare or contrast Sela against as far, which is helps us understand Sela too, you know, having those, those side characters helps the main character. Um, so, yeah. And also not having the details about Sela and like her full character I feel like can add to the isolation because it like isolates you as your viewer really is what happened I think that's what I'm realizing right now in this second that like you're just immersed into this world you're like what the fuck is going on in this world I don't get it but here I am I'm a player I'm trying to just like get through it you know and so it is kind of isolating even as a viewer because you're like wait a minute what's up with you and what's up with this person over here I'm here and I'm invested but I don't know so then, teasing apart the title, Sella and the Spades, we get the suit spade for royalty. But what if it's more tools? Sella mm-hmm. and her mm-hmm. tools. Totally. I like that. And we become a, a tool as a viewer. Mm-hmm. And we are along for the Sella ride. Mm-hmm. And we only get as much of her as everyone else wants. So often we get to dive inside of characters' minds. We get tidbits that no one else gets. And we get so little of that with her, even in the moments when she's alone. She's so contemplative and her gears are working. They're so rarely brought to the surface, right? It's like every moment with her is one of those photographs. That's kind of what it is. Like she's just like a photograph, but a moving photograph, you know? I feel like the juxtaposition of the photographs that, Paloma took it of her at the very beginning after the first scene with the squad, but she's distilled in scenes, almost like a photograph where you're just kind of, you know, like the opening scene is the perfect example where she's in that rattan chair looking very regal, her throne. Mm-hmm. but it was like a photograph. And I feel like every time it, the camera would like focus in on her, that's kind of what it was. It was like, you can only look at this photograph. You're not going to understand what's under the surface. And I wonder if that just speaks to every high school student ever. Yeah, I can't tell. I mean, for me, I want more. That's like my bottom line. Like I need more to like really dig in, you know, and to like, like I love, I don't know, but maybe that's just not what this viewing experience is intended to be either. Maybe it's not about digging into the characters and it's more just like an immersive experiential walk. I mean, it is her first film, you know, and there's a lot of really cool aesthetic defining that she did for me and I can see like what she's trying to do and it just makes me excited for what she is going to do moving forward oh, yeah I was I watched an interview with her I think it was actually IndieWire and she talked about how she is obsessed with the idea of power and that's her the next script she's working on is about this power and how no matter how much we get we're never satisfied by it so she's really 
interested in exploring that insatiable desire for power as a theme in this piece and just moving forward. So I just think she's exciting. And that's how I define my viewing experience for sure. It's just, it was just exciting. That's definitely my takeaway is that I'm excited for a filmmaker like her. I'm excited to watch her evolution. Yeah, I my takeaway was wanting more films that are immersive like this. So I fully agree with you, Stace. Yeah, I feel like this is such a solid first film and she's really carved out a spot for herself with viewership. I think, you know, even not even wanting more out of these characters, like, man, she's someone to definitely have on your radar. She is super exciting and it does feel very cutting edge and new. It's a new way to compose a film. I'm excited to learn more about what engages Poe's exploration of power. This film obviously was inspired by the story Ozma of Oz and that quote that begins the film talking about a woman who's newly married and can now settle down and live a, a peaceable life and the secondary character asks where her husband is now that she's married while well, he's he's healing from a black eye. How did he get this black eye? Oh, well, he milked the wrong cow, but he won't do it next time, I'm sure. It's like this calm, confident, I am in complete control, you all belong to me way of navigating the world that I found resonated completely in the Sela character. And I'm excited to see how how Poe teases that apart in other characters and, and digs into that that type of woman, that woman who who knows what she wants and makes it happen. I also would love to see if mental illness is a part of future stories, I would love to see that brought to the surface and brought to the light. We've seen so many films go without explaining or, or touching on or being responsible when it comes to mental illness. So if that is a theme, if that is a character trait, making that a part of the conversation, I think is important. And like she said, this is a film by all of us. And I, I love that. I love that perspective. And yeah, she's one to watch for sure. I'm really curious to hear what women of color have to say about this film and what their reaction is, because I feel like that's a big missing element yeah. here in this conversation. Absolutely. Their perspective, oh, you know? yeah. Yeah. We have the whitest perspective. We all grew up in such white areas, mm -hmm. too, and none of us went to boarding school. I kind of wish I did go to boarding school. We oh, all do. Like, yes. Michelle saw on with the magical <laughs> boarding school. Thank you so much for joining us. Stream on. Stream on. Woo. This has been a Quarantine Style Talking to Crows production. 